this is Rob Coburn, and we are excited that you're joining with us today. If you're a part of the Summit Dover family, whether in person or online, we'd love to connect with you via social media at the Summit Dover on all social media outlets and on our website, thesummitdover.com. We can get you plugged into our app or our YouTube channel, as well as giving options and opportunities to connect with the Summit Dover family all around the world. I hope this word today encourages you and inspires you. Let's jump into the message. Man, there's so much to say. As, as I get the privilege to introduce friends and family, you can kick up the lights a little bit. Um, I was trying to go through the stories about what, uh, how, I would, how I would introduce them, and I'm not articulate on it this morning, but I remember being in Buffalo, and uh, I remember being in a place that was so rich with the Holy Spirit. We were in a room, um, not much smaller than this room, and uh, maybe a little bigger, I'm not sure, but I remember that the altar was full, and people were just laid out before the Lord, and the Holy Spirit was moving, and uh, I was sitting in the back, and, uh, and there was invitations to join in and to get involved with what God is doing, and, and I was back there praying, no doubt, but I was not really eager to get into what God was doing to be honest with you, because it was very uncomfortable. You think this stuff's uncomfortable? That was very uncomfortable. And, uh, and I remember this tattooed man stands up in the front and turns around and points at me, and he said, you're coming up, or I'm going to carry you up. That's <laughs> what happened. And, uh, and I didn't move. I didn't move. And even though my spirit was just, oh, man, something was boiling inside of me. I didn't move. You know, because we all in this room encounter fear and distraction and all those things from what's going on. And even though my spirit was ready, my body was weak. And he came and sat beside me, and he says, I wasn't kidding. The Lord told me, if you do not go up, I am to carry you. So we can do this one of two ways. Either I'll walk up with you, or you'll go on my shoulder. <laughs> I have a little bit of pride, and I wasn't going to get carried up front. So I went forward and experienced an amazing touch of the Lord. And it's only through friends like that that we can go deeper with the Lord because people have gone where you haven't gone. People have experienced what you haven't experienced. And it's friends like that, and maybe you're a friend like that this morning, that is going to encounter the Lord, and you've seen something that your friend hasn't seen this morning, and you're going to say, Lord, how can I help them to see this? And because Chris was obedient, and because he threatened to carry me, um, and I wasn't going to have that happen, um, I encountered the Lord in a, an amazing way. And so uh, I just encourage you today, like, I know that, I know that we're different. I know we're different. I know this isn't traditional church. We're not singing three hymns and doing this stuff, but I'm telling you, the Lord wants so much more for you this morning than you could ever contain. And, uh, and it may take somebody, maybe Chris will 
say he's coming to pick you up. I don't know what it's gonna take for you this morning, but I know what it took for me to go deeper in the Lord. And my prayer and our prayer as a team, and since they got here on Thursday, has been that you would open your heart. And I just wanna say that if it wasn't for their passion and their love for us, for Jen and I, we wouldn't be where we're at. And so I want that blessing to flow all over you. I want it to just cover you. I want you to just be so smothered in it. When you leave, you gotta go home and take a nap because the Lord has just wore you out this morning. But I want, it is my honor, my privilege to do what scripture tells us. And that is as your shepherd, I now open the gate to the sheepfold that they have the freedom to minister in whatever the Lord asks them to minister to. And that's their responsibility, but your responsibility and our responsibility as a family, scripture tells us that if we receive the prophet in the name of the prophet, we receive the prophet's reward. And so if you're willing to open your heart this morning, you're gonna receive a reward that you didn't even know you were gonna get this morning, and that's how good our father is. He gives gifts we didn't even expect. So Chris and Christy Beckel, would you come and... We are so honored to have you in the house this morning. Would you stand and give him a hand this morning? I'm glad I didn't have to carry him. <laughs> Mine's on. The important one's on. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Wow, what an honor to be here with you all today. This is so amazing. Uh, we have, I, Chris has had such a tight relationship with um, Rob, and I met Jen one time when she came up to Buffalo, and so this week, this short little spurt that God has blessed us with just to come and rest, it's just been such an honor to get to know them both as a couple, and um Man, we have been blessed. We have had such a time of rest and peace, and we have, I think we've ate more ice cream and drank more coffee than we've ever done in three days here. But uh, way to go, Ohio! Yeah, <laughs> and seen some big snakes. Oof. Yeah, praise God. Yeah, man, we're just thrilled to be here. Can I use yours? Yep. I have a quiet voice. I have a big face, but a quiet voice. Yes. And so when I was worshiping up here. And I was standing here. The Lord showed me a picture. And what I saw was a shadow on the ground. Just like you can see, there's a shadow. I guess it's over here now. <laughs> and there's a shadow on the ground. And, and as I was worshiping, I was just following the shadow around. And I kind of had a Peter Pan moment of chasing the shadow. And the Lord said he wants his children to quit chasing the shadows. It's time to look at the shadow maker. Mm -hmm. And when we were worshiping, I just felt my head go from the down shadow position of looking things that I'm chasing that keep moving with me. And the Lord said, look at me because I'm immovable and I'm leading you the direction you need to go. So some of us today need to hear we need to stop chasing shadows. And we need to start looking at the shadow bringer, the shadow giver who is our father. We need to look at the Shekinah glory that the Lord has today and not just the shadows that are around us. See, the shadows can always lead us astray. Have you ever chased your shadow right into a ditch? Or was that just me as a kid on a bike? I was Peter Pan on my bicycle. I was chasing my shadow, and I was watching it, and I went right over a curb into a ditch. That's not a good idea, and it's a true story. Shadow chasing is not good, so we need to look to the Father this morning. And so, you know, it has been a huge privilege to come here and be a part of this family. And I, I say family because a church isn't just 
a building. This, what you guys have today, we've experienced since Thursday in the Coburn home and getting to spend some time with Kylie, who is absolutely amazing <laughs> and prophetic and is a world changer. Yes. And getting to spend time with Caitlin and, and Robin Jen, we've just felt the fullness of family. And we are just love what you guys have here. It is truly amazing. And so before we get religious in this house, I wanted to just kind of give you a quick snapshot of who we are. So Christy and I are uh, pastors in Orchard Park, New York. We moved here 10 years ago from Portland, Oregon at the Lord's Calling. He said, I want you to sell everything you have and move across the country and move to Orchard Park. By the way, you're going to be a pastor and it's going to be epic. You're going to reach the multitudes. And so I had this vision of grandeur and big churches and lots of people. We sold everything, moved across the country, and realized we had no idea what we are doing. And so we started meeting at a park and reading our Bible, because that's what Christians do. And we had lunch, because we got hungry. And after about six months, people started showing up, and they would have a meal with us, and we'd have a message. And then it snowed, because that's what it does on the Great Lakes. Lake Effect lifestyle led to moving to our house, and it blew up, and we had a, a home church with 60-plus people, and we moved all of our furniture outside to the snow and set up folding chairs and TVs every week until the Lord provided a place for us. And so we realized right away that we're not a church people, we're more of a movement people. And I say that because we did everything to do planting churches. We planted a couple of other churches, but everything we did revolved around food and community. And to this day, we have a, a church that hits 30 people if we're excited, but when we do an event in the community, we'll minister to 20, 40, 70, 100,000 people, and all of our team with all of our shirts show up, and there's a flood of shirts around the town. Why isn't it reflected within the building? That's what every church is asking. Why aren't we full? Why aren't we full? Why aren't we full? You are full, but a lot of times we're looking at our shadows. We're looking at our shadows. We're not just looking around at what the Lord's highlighting. And tonight, this morning, I'm sorry, we're a Saturday night church. This morning, <laughs> um, we're probably going a different direction. We're going this direction, not this direction right now. But this morning, the Lord wants to just encourage you to hold your heads high and start looking around the horizon because the encounters he has for you, he has been working for generations upon generations and generations. You're getting to harvest the fruit of your great-grandparents before you that have been sowing seed in this field. And this barn's too small. This barn's too small because the harvest that's here isn't for this. There's a harvest coming that needs to be reaped, that needs to be greater. And the Lord continued to show me a place on a hill. And you guys need to be calling forth that tabernacle, that house, that warehouse, whatever it is, the church on a hill, so that you guys can receive the harvest because you're going to send back out and plant to the nations. And so th this morning, not this evening, um, I would like to introduce my wife, Christy. So we've been married for 26 years. We have four amazing children. One is in heaven, and you'll hear his story this morning. And then we have three children. Our oldest son, Skylar, is 24. He has been married for just under a year and a half, and we're praying for grandchildren, because that's what you do in your 40s. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> our son Spencer turned 23 when we came here on Thursday, and our daughter Carson, she is 18 years old and a junior in high school, and we are close to empty nesters. <laughs> so we're 45 and 43. We started life young. She was 16 when I asked her to marry me. 
And it was really her mom's idea. She cornered me and said, if you want to marry my daughter, you need to talk to her father. And I'm like, where is this coming from? Because I was a child. And I said, OK. And so I had a manly talk as a child with her father. And we courted until she was 18 for literally a week. And then we got married. <laughs> and so we've celebrated 26 years of life together. She's truly my best friend. We travel the world together. We do life together. We argue. And sometimes I win. And it's been an amazing. <laughs> amazing journey. And so it is a privilege to be here today. I just wanted to kind of give an intro so you kind of know who we are. We're recovering church plants pastors, and we're also recovering Christians. And so it's, a, it's, it's been a, a journey for the last two years of understanding what it means to, to live a life of love and to live loved. And so I'll let you start. You want this I don't one? Think, yeah, that one's not on. No, maybe it is. Yeah, so... Wow, his presence is so overwhelming. So recovering Christian, recovering Christian. That's a really good way to put it. So unlike my husband, I grew up in a very, very structured Christian home. We loved Jesus with all our hearts. Um, my parents had people coming in and out of the home. We were in training to become missionaries with Wycliffe Bible Translators. Um, I was saved at Sunday school um, at a very young age. I didn't have the rattle rad radical encounters like my husband did with the Lord, but I knew that I was saved. I had Jesus living in my heart. And my parents were serving in the church. They served in many capacities. They were, um, <clears throat> they did hospitality. They did Wednesday night Good News Bears. Um, you know, they organized children's ministry. Like they did it all. They were kind of the jack of all trades. And I was always right there alongside of them. I have two brothers. I'm right in the middle. I'm the instigator. I, I am. Um, yeah, I'm the mischievous one. And so I, I served with my parents, and I loved Jesus, and I did all the right things. I was a good girl. I didn't rebel against my parents. I waited until I got married, and then I rebelled against him. So he took the brunt of all that. <laughs> um, yeah. So every Sunday I was in service, worshiping, praising Jesus. Every Wednesday night, I was at the Bible studies. I led Bible studies as I got older. I would, I would do women's ministry. Anything that I could sign up for, I'd sign up for, because that's what good Christians do. I would see people having encounters with the Lord. I'd see them just talking about how much they love Jesus. And I was like, yes, I love Jesus. I would spend many hours just in my room reading the Bible. Didn't quite know what I was reading, but good Christians read their Bible every single day, don't you know? Because that's what my mom had showed me. I was missing something, though. I was missing the Holy Spirit. My mom grew up in a, in a Baptist church and was terrified of the Holy Spirit. Anything that would cause her to lose control or that felt a little off, 
that was like, mm, no. So because my mom had a fear of that, that was installed to me. I inherited that. And I actually gave it off to my two boys as well. God took care of that. So when I was reading his word, it wasn't alive. It was just reading his word. I was doing my thing. And uh, I remember what I love about God, though, is that the, the craziest part of this, this, this testimony of mine is that I was nine years old when I got the gift of speaking in tongues. I had no idea what the gift was for, but I was in a church service and I heard all these weird people talking in this gibberish language. And I was like, God, what, what is that? And, and so I went to my Sunday school teacher and she was like, oh, honey, you want that? That's a gift. And I was like, sure, I'll take a gift. So she like, she literally picked me up, put me on the table. It was a long table and my, my brother was there and my brother's like, yeah, I'll, I'll take a gift. I like gifts. You know, we're like nine and 10 years old. So we both were sitting on this table and she prayed over us and instantly my mouth came alive. And I was like, whoa, that's really weird. My tongue feels funny. I don't know what's going on, God, but okay. All that to say, it wasn't until I was 40 40 years old when I had my first encounter with the Father's love. You see, we can walk through life. We can do religion really well. But if we're not marked with the Father's love and pouring out his love, then what are we doing? I was in the scriptures and um, having a conversation with my father, and he took me to John 14, 23, and it says, <clears throat> oh, sorry, excuse me, wrong one. John 14, 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I said to you. So even though I had spent all those hours as a young kid reading my word, it wasn't until the Holy Spirit came in and activated all of that in me. I started sharing and preaching with my husband and all of a sudden the word of the Lord just started pouring out of me and I'm like, well, where'd that come from? I didn't, I didn't prepare that. That's not in my notes. It's because the Holy Spirit activated it in me. So the Holy Spirit is no longer something that's ooby dooby and scary to me because he is the helper that's going to activate the fullness of what is inside of me. You see, every person that's sitting in here that has says yet, said yes to Jesus, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that you are made new. We can walk in the old. I walked in the old for a long time in my life. It's not saying that Jesus didn't use me because he did use me. But when we embrace the newness of what he has for us and allow his spirit to come in and usher that out, there's an activation that takes place. The boundaries, the boxes, the control, the things that we put around our lives fall away. And there's like a newness that is birthed. It's all inside of us because when we say yes to Jesus, dying on the cross and taking away all of our sin, all that freedom comes pouring down inside of us. But we have to choose to walk in it. I chose to not walk in it 
because I did not renew my mind. I knew what the church or the religious structure of church had told me and what I had seen. And so I had put God into these boxes. So in order for me to experience God's counter, I got to come up here. I got to stand. I got to worship. Like whatever it was, it wasn't anything that... It wasn't anything that anyone had taught me. It was a belief system that I had inputted into my own life by observations that I made. Well, God wants to break us out of those observations, and he wants to break those mindsets off of us. We need to renew our minds. We need to go to the Father and allow his love to just pour over those situations because when we truly, 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 fully invest all that we have, like all the songs that we sang today, surrender, I surrender, I surrender. Do you really surrender? I surrendered my job of working in the medical field for nine and a half years. I surrendered my retirement. Whatever God asks me to do, I surrender because you know what? I want to walk in the fullness of what he has for me. No bounds. The scripture says that it was for freedom that Christ came to set us free, that we are no longer to be yoked to the bondage of slavery. Slavery doesn't always have to look like dragging a chain. I knew what slavery was like. I was molested as a child. I know what bondage looks like. I had been set free from that. But when I started learning about the fullness of the Father and the love that he had for me, I realized that I had another form of bondage, and it was religion. And I don't want to walk in that anymore. So what did I do? I surrendered. I wanted all of him. And my encounter happened when I was sitting in a chair, not worshiping during a worship service. And God invaded my space because I'd fully surrendered and was like, I can't do this anymore. And he's like, now jump into my hot tub of my Holy Spirit. And you know how when you sit in a hot tub, you start getting pruney and all that dead skin starts, you know, coming loose. That's what he wanted me to do. He wanted me to get in the hot tub of his spirit and just sit there and soak. There's nothing I needed to do. I didn't need to perform. I didn't need to get up and share anything. He just wanted me to come and rest. And living from a place of rest all the time now is exuberating people. My capacity to do the things that he asks me to do is like incredible. And guess what? The things that he asks me to do are things that align with things in my heart. It's no longer I have to do this. Because I don't. Because he's taking care of it. I don't have to fix anything. I don't have to do anything. All I have to do is surrender and be with him. And then out of that flows a ministry that is so incredible. And it makes me just so excited. Oh, it's my turn. (laughs) So we're going to talk a little bit today about something that we have really encountered only in the last year and a half. And... It's something that has literally changed not only who we are, but what we do, how we minister to our kids, how we relate to our parents, how we relate to those in the church that we're serving, how we even relate to our government officials that we're serving in our local town. And this revelation of understanding the Father and His love has led to 
places of favor. This little church in Orchard Park, New York, the pastor now serves with the Economic Development Board. I sit next to the mayor, the town supervisor, and all the who-whos and what's-whats of the town. And it feels like a Dr. Seuss production because it's so incredibly unreal that the Lord has put us in this place. But in Scripture, the Lord says we're going to have the government on our shoulders just like Christ did. And so we're just walking in that favor that the Lord continues to put down. And the revelation I'm talking about is the fullness of the Trinity. And, and for years and years, and I was trained and taught and ordained and preached that salvation comes through Christ, and that's all that we've ever taught. You're saved by grace through faith, and the only way to heaven is through Christ. And that's the truth. There's no other way. There's no other way. Christ is the only way. But Jesus didn't come and say, hey, come to me and you're going to be saved. When we read the Gospels, Jesus is preaching the gospel of the kingdom. What's the gospel of the kingdom? The good news is that the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom is that the kingdom is now because Christ is now present in the form of a person. The Holy Spirit now rests completely upon Jesus. We see at Jesus' baptism when he was activated into ministry, Jesus going into the water. We see the Holy Spirit descending in the form of a dove, and we hear the Father saying, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. For those of you Bible scholars, that's the only place you'll see the Trinity in Scripture. And so we see the fullness and the full expression of God in that moment. And then from that moment, Jesus was activated into ministry. See, his identity was immediately tempted as the devil came in and said, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. If you are the Son of God, immediately his identity was tempted. And like Christ and so many people I've walked with, they accept Jesus and it's great and there's tingling and fire and Holy Spirit jitters and spirit fingers and everything that goes with salvation. But then there's the temptation, and so many of them walk away. Does that sound like a parable you've read somewhere in Scripture? Some of the seed falls by the wayside, some's in the rocks. Well, it's a story of life, and it's a warning of what happens. And see, Jesus came to reveal the fullness of the love of his Father. When you read the Gospel of John, you hear things like Jesus saying to his disciples, I only see what the Father sees, and I'm only doing what I see the Father doing, and I only hear what the Father's speaking. And then he says things that are so crazy, like, you're in me, and I'm in you, and I'm in the Father. And when you're reading this, you're just like, who's on first? You know. But when the Holy Spirit slows it down, and you're reading it with the Spirit who wrote it, you're like, oh my goodness, because I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Therefore, I can do all things through Christ because he's my strength and because he's living and he's breathing and he's walking. I have authority over demons. Oh my gosh, prophecy is real because the Father's speaking to me like he spoke with Christ and I can release words that the Father's speaking. Signs and wonders and miracles follow because Christ is in me and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so now we have this newness of life and kingdom. See, but I was never taught about the Father. Have you been? See, I came from a home where my mom's been married five times. I had five different ideals of a father, five different abuses associated with a father. Then when it came to me having this wonderful father in heaven, I didn't have an example. I, I understood Jesus fully. I needed his, his blood. I needed his salvation. I needed his grace. I was a messed up kid. I understood the Holy Spirit because I literally had electricity going through my body when I got saved. I mean, I was running up there, mullet flapping in the wind all the way to the stage to receive Jesus. I was so excited I got dangly cross earrings in my ears because Jesus is Jesus. But I didn't understand the Father. And here I am 20, 30 years later just experiencing the Father's love for the first time. 
What is the Father's love? It's the fulfillment of everything Christ came to preach. The Father's love that we can receive is the same love that Jesus was created with and born with. The very same power that comes through resurrection is the very power that Christ gave us that lives within us. Receiving the Father's love is what? Renewing your mind in Romans 12 too. See, we've prepared our hearts for salvation when we ask Jesus to be Lord of our hearts. But in Romans 12 too, it says you need to renew your mind. What does it look like to renew your mind? How many have seen men in black? Anybody? Am I alone up here? I can't even count on the Coburns. They don't watch those kind of movies. <laughs> men in Black, a great movie. So in Men in Black, there's this big cockroach alien in a ship. And his ship comes in into western New York, yay, mm-hmm. and crashes on this beautiful 68 Chevrolet, just destroys it. There's a big crater. And this guy, Edgar, he gets up, he's a dairy farmer with his shotgun, puts his straw hat on to go see what's going on, and he's walking out there, and he's angry and a bitter man, and he's like, oh, my truck, you know, and next thing you know, this cockroach thing eats him, and then it flashes inside the house, and his wife's in there, and she's like, what was that, Edgar? And, and so Edgar comes in, and he just says, sugar, and he's slurring, and he just sounds weird, and she gets him sugar and water and does what he asks, and then she's like, your skin's hanging on your bones. What's wrong with you? And he's like, oh, and he pulls his head up and his skin up. Is that better? You know, and his skin's all stretched out and she panics and freaks out. It's PG, guys. It's okay. <laughs> See, I love to share that story because it's an example of what happens when we ask Jesus into our life, but we try to just bring Jesus into everything we've been doing. We've been given a complete new suit to walk in, a new coat of clothes, brand new outfit, redeeming our soul and our spirit, but we keep trying to put on the Edgar suit as if it's something new, but it's something that's old that the Lord had already took with him and said, this is finished. It's like taking a shower and drying off with filthy rags and going out to meet somebody. And it's been acceptable for far too long because that's not what the Father has for us. See, when I get excited, I'm reading in Scripture in Luke chapter 15, I see a story of a son who had a great father, but the son couldn't wait to get away. We call it the lost son or the prodigal father or whatever story you want to call it in Luke chapter 15. What I say is this is my story. I didn't know I was a sinner. I didn't even know I was broken. So if somebody told me I was going to hell, I'd be like, okay. If somebody said it's heaven or hell, I wouldn't have known what they were talking about. I just grew up in a very messed up lifestyle. But what I do know and what I did experience and what I did see was a father who was running after me. My father came in the image of Jesus. I could relate to Jesus because Jesus met me where I was. I had power of the Holy Spirit immediately, literally electricity through my body. Like I didn't know what was going on. And I knew when I left that church service that I wasn't the same that I was when I was there. And as I continued to grow in my faith, I understood that's the Holy Spirit. And I understood salvation comes through great faith in Jesus. Whenever I thought of the Father, I pictured the Abraham statue far away, beautiful to look at. Everybody goes and looks at it, but you just can't touch it. I didn't understand the concept of the Trinity. And as I continued to go in and and go after kingdom and understanding what Jesus was preaching, the Abraham statue became Morgan Freeman in a white suit. Bruce Almighty literally became my image of who God the Father was. But that image led God the Father to be a genie in a bottle. 
I'm going to call him and rub on him whenever I need something. But when everything's good, we're good. I was living an aggressive life. Over the last year, I've experienced something completely new. I've experienced what it means to live loved. This isn't just a t-shirt for fancy flair. This is a declaration. That's why it's over my heart. See, I learned how to live loved from the Father. I experienced the love of a father that I've never experienced before. I had five different guys with five different abuses that were proud of me, go get them and whack them and everything that goes with that. But I experienced a love that had no bounds and actually left me in the back of our church about eight months ago, paralyzed on the ground with just tears all around me on the wooden floor before I was supposed to share. And how I got there was through one simple prayer. See, I was supposed to speak, had all my notes ready to go. I love sharing, so I always have something to say. And that day I got there and I just said, Father, I don't want to say anything that you're not speaking. Mm-hmm. And I heard the Lord say, go lay in the back of the church. I'm like, okay. So I went and I laid in the very back of the church. And I sat down, crisscross applesauce, whatever you call that sitting style here. And he said, no, I want you to lay down. And so I laid down, you know. And he said, now I want you to get low. And I pressed my face on the floor. And I remember thinking, this is silly. Why am I doing this? If somebody comes in, this is going to be embarrassing. Why is the pastor's face on the ground? That's the intercessor's job. Yeah. And after all those thoughts went through, I felt this incredible love just start to weigh down like a weighted blanket on my back. I felt my face press into the wood floor, and I felt tears start coming out of my eyes. I'm not a crier. I'm the one that wanted to carry your pastor up to the front of a thing. Like, this is me. But in that moment, I wept, and I could not stop weeping. The, the tears continued to flow. It was 30 minutes. There's a literal pile around me bigger than this table of just tears stacking up. My shirt's soaked. Snot's coming out of my nose, and I don't know what's going on but I have this incredible peace that's coming on, but these tears will not stop. And I'm like, why am I crying? My wife came in, and she kind of gave me the nudge kick, like, you got to preach, get out. And I'm like, I can't move. I literally couldn't move. It was like the biggest angel in heaven was sitting on my back. I could not move. And I remember, like, dragging myself up the aisle, my feet dragging behind me, because my legs weren't moving, and I'm pulling myself up by the pews, and I managed to get myself up, and I'm hobbling, and my legs aren't working, so I look like this, trying to get up there, and I get all the way to the front, and I'm leaning on the pew, and, and the Lord's like, look at her. And I look in the front row, there's a wonderful woman named Lauren there, and he says, this is how much I love her. And I was just like, the weight of the Lord hit me so heavy that I couldn't move. And he said, and this is what I feel from her love. And I just went down. Because I felt the love that he has for her and his capacity. And I felt the capacity she had to receive. And it was nowhere near equal. See, the things that were so natural in our flesh that resist the love of God was a barrier for her to receive the fullness of that. And he says, it's like that for every one of us. And I'm like, Lord, I don't want to have a barrier. Well, there's tears in the front now. Now I'm down in the front. You can say, what does that encounter have to do with anything? How did that reveal the Father? What it did was reveal the love that I didn't know I was looking for. 
revealed something about God that theology couldn't explain all my Bible education and degrees. It just it was beyond everything any wisdom or knowledge can comprehend because one encounter literally erased decades of fatherly abuse and neglect and abandonment and homelessness and brokenness and emptiness, and it filled it with something that was so real and tangible that love became real. I experienced love from my bride for the first time because I had a greater capacity to receive love. And so that began this journey for me of walking out what it means to live loved. It led me to a Father's Heart Ministry A school where I could just soak for a week in the fullness of the understanding of the Father's love and what it means to be reconciled through Christ to the Father. And every scripture I have read, preached, and taught over the last 30 years of my life was now just woven together with this perfect unity of the Father and his love. I can read in the Old Testament when you're seeing slaughters happen, I can see the love of the Father in all of it. And it's hard to describe without the love and wisdom of the Holy Spirit. But when you receive that love, everything changes. So my encounter with the Father was a little bit different than Chris's because, you know, he had the five stepdads, the major dysfunction. Well, my dad was a good Christian man. He loved us. He provided for us. He was present, but he was emotionally not present. He, he, would, he would read us stories, and, and we would bounce on his knee. And, and, I mean, I had a really good, good, good father. But what I didn't realize is that because of the hurt that I had sustained as a little girl, I had started believing lies at a very young age that I needed to protect myself because I didn't feel protected. Granted, my parents didn't know what was happening in the home, but the enemy did, and he knew how he could derail my relationship with the Father God. And so Chris went to this A school, and I was driving out there. They, it's a week long, and, and generally they don't allow you to have your phones. It's you can have your, you can have your phone, but they, they plead for you not to use it. And so we had actually just gotten back from vacation, um, in Mexico and he literally got off the plane, took, we got home, he unpacked a suitcase, suitcase, packed it again and then took off. So it was a whole week that I was going to be without seeing him and we hadn't, um, so they invited me to come out on Wednesday and I was driving out there and I was like, thank you, Jesus, that Chris is getting to experience the father and this is so great because he's got such a dysfunctional life and I'm so thankful for everything that you're going to do in him and through him and that he's going to experience the father and I'm so thankful that I don't need to have any of this stuff. And the father was like, really? There's nothing dysfunctional about our relationship? I was like, oh, okay, well, may, you know, maybe, maybe I could use a little bit more of your love, you know? Maybe I'll, I'll be open to that. But that, mean I need, that meant that I needed to take down my control box and allow the Lord to come in and, and to come into those areas. And so as I started on this journey of going after the Father's love, my question was, why can't I feel your love? 
I knew I was loved. I could give you scriptures about me being loved. But why wasn't I like that crazy woman that was up front that was just like, thank you, Jesus, for your love. This is so amazing. I feel it so much. And, and, I was, and I'm like this. Yep, Jesus loves me. He does. I know he does. So there was something that needed to happen between this and this. And so when I started going after that, I was reading in John, and um, the Lord was showing me, I always thought it was about the salvation, like Chris was saying. We all know how to get saved, and we know how to get people saved. But how do we get them from salvation into the kingdom? We don't want them just left on the threshold. We want them operating in the fullness of what God has for him. And so I started studying the book of John and the Lord just started revealing to me so much about how Jesus operated as a son. And the word son and father and, and those things started popping out to me. And I was like, oh my gosh, Lord, when did I stop being a daughter? Because if you're not a daughter, you don't need a father. And I realized at that point that I had stopped being a daughter somewhere in my life. And as I was sharing one Saturday night during my um, teaching time, the Lord showed me I was probably 14 years old and I needed to go to the grocery store. And my parents were busy at the time. And so I not only felt like I was unprotected, but when I was young, my father didn't protect me. So I started believing a lie that I needed to control everything. And then when I was 15, the Lord brought all those memories back of what had happened to me. And I shared, well, 13, and then I shared those with my parents then. And my dad's response was like, oh, sweetie, I'm sorry that happened to you. And my mom's response was like, are you sure that happened? Are for real? And, and, you know, and the interesting thing is, is that she, I didn't know until just recently that they did actually go talk to the relative that hurt me and they had discussions, but I didn't know that. So their response was they were parents and they were trying to figure it out. But as a young girl, I took that as like, wow, okay, now they don't, they believe me, but they're not going to really do anything about it. So again, I need to control and I need to protect and I need to do this. And so that just didn't leave room for me to be a daughter. And so when I was 15, when I needed something simple, my parents were like, we're really busy. We're going to get, we'll take you to the store. I needed to go to the store. And it was at that very moment that I decided that I was going to walk from my house down the logging road bridge, down the railroad tracks and go to the store. And I was going to do it. And from that point on, I got a job. I provided for myself. And I, when I looked back through the lens of brokenness, I was like, wow, I was so terribly treated. It was so bad. But the Lord's like, no, that was you controlling your environment. You were choosing to do that. And so when he showed me all that, he's like, that's why you can't feel my love. Because you have not given me your heart as a daughter.
And so I had a moment with him in the living room and in, in our wingback chair, and I just surrendered my heart to him. And then he started showing me pictures of myself and how he saw me as a daughter. See, Jesus couldn't do anything apart from the Father. He had communication, open communication with the Father. Everything that he heard the Father say, he said. Everything he saw the Father do, he did. I pray that when I come and I share at different places that you hear nothing of Christy and you hear everything of him. Because what I have to offer is what he's speaking through me. And I want you to see him. I want you to feel the love for that he has for you. And I pray that my testimony releases freedom to you, that if he did it for me, he can do it for you. And that there's so much more to this life than just the salvation piece. There's so much more. So much more. Yeah, yeah in John chapter 14, <clears throat> starting in verse 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except for through me. So where does nobody go to? The Father except for through Christ. Then Jesus carries on in, in verse 7, says, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you will know him, and you have seen him. How could they have seen the Father if they've only seen Christ? Because Jesus just said, because the Father is in me, and I am him. So we know that walking with Christ, you're walking with the Father. Then Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, you have been with me so long, and yet have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak to my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe in me that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works that I do myself. See, Jesus was coming to reveal the heart of the Father for his entire ministry. The gospel of the kingdom is salvation, but it's also unto the Father. We have Christians standing at the doorway, the threshold of heaven. It's like having your vestibule of your church backed up to the parking lot, but nobody is coming into the inner courts to receive the fullness of what it means to be a son and a daughter. See, my wife and I, 15 years ago, had the opportunity to go away on vacation. And 15 years ago was the week of Father's Day. We, we packed up our kids and we headed to a lake house outside of Spokane, Washington, and uh, had this amazing place to ourselves. We set up all of our child gates and safety gates and everything you do when you're at a lake house because our four children were amazing but curious. Mm -hmm. And so our, our twins, Trace is with our son and Carson, our daughter, were the most curious kids you've ever met. And they were just two peas in a pod. Like where one was, there was the other. It was like trouble and trouble. And this is a picture of them. My, my little babies, that's Trace, and the skinny little ones, Carson. And so they were just incredible. So this particular trip we were blessed with, had they had grandchildren, so the house was secured with gates and lock gates and everything else. And so we had just gotten nestled in after a nine-hour drive to get there from Portland, and we had a really close family relative with us, so everything was good. All the checks and bounds were in place. And so I took my twins, and I went and laid in the hammock underneath the deck, and we were swinging and rocking. And it was amazing. And the hook broke. <laughs> and I fell down and hit my head and had a headache. So I'm like, I'm going to take them up. And I'm going to take and leave. And so I was sitting uh, 
on the bed in the room, and it had been about 10 minutes, and I heard a, a splash, like, oh, that's a big fish jump. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, go check on your twins. <laughs> and so I, I sat up, and I said, Christy, where's the kids? And she says, they're right out here playing. I said, can you check on them, please? And she went out, and she's like, I don't see Trace. And so I get up, and I'm like, I'm going to go look at the car, and she is running down to the dock, and I didn't see him at the car. These gates are literally this tall, all around and locked. There's no way to get over them, under them, and around them. And so I'm like, this is really weird. Like, what's what's going on? And and so she's coming back up from the dock, and the Lord said, go to the dock. So I'm running down to the dock, and she says, I didn't see him, and I just said, call 911. And I get down to the dock, and I look down in the water, and I see my son underneath the dock on the bottom of the lake. And so I jump in. And I pull him out and empty his water and start doing CPR. And what seemed like an eternity was minutes when EMS got there. And they got there. There was like, felt like hundreds of them there. But they had nothing for infants. See, my son was two and a half years old. And they didn't have any, anything for his breathing or anything for his heart. And so they asked me to come in the ambulance and breathe for him. And so I'm breathing for him while they're working on him in the ambulance. And they get us to the point of the reservation where... Uh, we're on an island that they need to get the helicopter in to get him out to go to Sp- Sacred Heart in Spokane. And so my wife jumps in the helicopter with my son, and I go back to get myself together so I can do my three-hour drive to the hospital. And that three-hour drive, it had a, a 35 to 40-minute ferry ride to get back off the island. And so the chief of police that's there is driving me. He says, are you okay to drive? And I said, I think so. He says, you have a three-hour drive. Are you sure you're okay? Do you need one of my troopers? And I said, no, I think I'm okay. And so I remembered telling my children that Trace got hurt. We're going to go to the hospital, but we'll be home. And our, our, our house nanny that was with us, she stayed with the other kids. And I went to the hospital. And I remember I was so angry and frustrated and scared. I drove as fast as I could to get there. And I kept hearing the Lord say, you're being dangerous. And I'm all over the road. I drive a huge lifted huge lifted diesel truck and I got right down to the ferry and the ferry had just left it's literally 10 feet off the dock where I'm at and I'm like please come back and he's like I can't come back and then I'm swearing at him which doesn't help (laughs) and he just kind of did the old see you later and kept on going and I'm sitting there and now I'm just furious and then I did what every parent does when they don't know what's going on with their children. I started bartering with God. If you do this, I'll never do this. If you do this, I'll never do that. And after about 25 minutes of, of me bartering with God, I heard this very small voice from the back of my head say, it's going to be okay. And I felt peace start coming over my head. See, where anger was, now there was peace because the voice of the Lord always brings this sense of peace. Mm-hmm. And as I'm watching the ferry come back, I apologize, and I drive my truck on the boat, and I let him know what happened, and he was horrified, but I had to follow a schedule like the churches have to do. <laughs> and uh, sorry, that was a little dig there. <laughs> I might go late. <laughs> and I began that long drive to Spokane, two and a half hours after the ferry to get there. And I started out rash and abrasive again, and the Lord said, hey, don't hurt anybody. And so I slowed down, and I got there when I was supposed to get there. When I got there, I was greeted by my bride and Chaplain John, who was like this tall with arms like this wide, and he hugged me and embraced me and brought me into where my son was, and they were still working on him, and 
And, you know, he had been there for the whole time I was driving, but he was stable and breathing, but not awake. And so I spent about an hour in there just loving on my son and squeezing his head and his big puffy cheeks and kissing on him. And, and uh, they kind of ushered us out and said, just let him rest. Why don't you guys go get some rest? So we stayed in the Ronald McDonald house. About 2 o'clock in the morning, we get a phone call from the doctors, and they said, you guys need to come up here right away. And so we went up there, and the doctor said, we don't know what's going on, but his heart just stopped. There's no reason for it, but it just stopped. We have every single person on staff working on your son right now. And we sat there, and it was 45 minutes there working on my son, chest compressions, heart rates, and we're hearing the mattress squeaking and everything that they're doing to bring life into the body of my son. And we're standing there, and Christy is just saying, we just need to let this stop. And I'm like, no, this is my son. There's no reason for him to be gone. We've asked and declared that he's going to be alive today. There's no reason for this to go. See, my word of faith ran out. I knew what I was praying, and I was praying and praying and asking, but everything that I knew and all of my four-square upbringing, my word of faith and everything in me, just that there was no explanation now because I'm looking at something happening that's completely out of everything I've spoken and out of control. And I was left in this place of I've got nothing left to offer or say or pray. And I heard the voice of the Lord. It was a subtle voice. The voice of the Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to release your son, to surrender your son. And then I felt this peace, like I was being lifted up by my feet and drawn together with my wife like this. And I'm like, no, I can't do that. And then I heard a different voice, the voice of the Father say, don't let your child be an idol before me. And I felt the peace now come over my head like I was wearing a robe and drawn in. I looked at my wife, and she looks at me and says, we're supposed to release our son to the Lord. And I said, you're right. That's what the Father just spoke to me. Mm-hmm. And so we prayed one of the hardest prayers we've ever prayed. Father, into you we commit our son. And then I felt the Holy Spirit one more time, that soft, gentle voice of the Spirit say, I want you to recommit your covenant vows to your wife in front of your son. And so we're standing over my son's body with her parents now here and all the doctors and nurses staff there. And I looked at her and I said, Christy, will you stay married to me in this covenant relationship we have? And she was kind of looking at me like, are you serious? And she's like, well, yeah, of course. And then we prayed with our son and all of the witnesses around us that the Lord would just continue to bless and protect this covenant, that death is not going to take this covenant away that the Lord has given. And then it got even crazier. See, the Lord said, I want you to go back to the lake house and spend time there for three days with your children so that water doesn't become a fear in your family. And so we drove all the way back to the lake house without our son, walked in and shared the news, what happened to our children, and spent time there with the Lord, fishing and crying and boating and crying and swimming and crying so that fear would not have an outlet or an inlet into our household. And then we packed up and went home. See, I I share that story because in in that testimony, I experienced the fullness of the Trinity without ever experiencing it until I was at a Father's Heart A school. I experienced the different voices that God uses to speak to me as a son. See, the Holy Spirit was bringing me to a place of comfort the entire time and nurture. The Holy Spirit was nurturing me 
in a place that I shouldn't have been nurturing because that's the most horrific thing you can experience, but the Holy Spirit's nurturing was there speaking and bringing us together. But see, what Jesus did was he gathered us together like chicks under his wings, and I felt that warm embrace and squeeze of Jesus, and I felt the love and the authority of the Father saying, please don't let anything come between you and I. It was about two weeks later, I was reading in John chapter 15, when I was just asking the Lord what all this meant and why did this happen? Because when we're left in grief, the first question we always ask is why? And the Lord never answered the why. I wanted him to answer the why, because that's what we want. But what he did is he brought me to John chapter 15. I don't know why I closed it. In John chapter 15, I believe it's verse 1. He's talking about, it's that way, babe. Yeah, yeah. Need thicker glasses. <laughs> Jesus says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. See, the Lord showed me that there was nothing wrong with my son, that this was a healthy pruning and our family tree, because he was going to create an orchard from the seeds that were just harvested. That brought so much peace to me as a father. I can't say what if, coulda, shoulda, woulda, because the Lord brought me to a place of truth that the father sometimes has these healthy prunings, and it's not a pruning that's going to be thrown into the fire and cast aside. It's so that he's going to plant seeds, and you're going to have an orchard or a vineyard. This testimony has been heard all over the place. This is a testimony that, that we walked through, and, and I would say, as hard as it sounds, it's a privilege to be able to steward this testimony of our son and release the fruit of the Father's love, because every step of this process was so covered in love that grief never wrecked us. Mourning and loss has never taken us. See, we walked through this season where three people in our church lost their kids within a month, within water drownings, and... Two of the three ended up divorced and hate each other and broken their children in the place. It's just horrific. And yet the Lord had us reestablish our covenants together before any of that ever took place. And I say that because it's so important to understand the fullness of the Father's love and his goodness. See, religion doesn't give us access to God's goodness. It just, it just never gave me access to God's goodness. It, it brought me to the place to encounter, receive Jesus, get baptized with the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues, and fall down. That's what it did for me. It wasn't until we started really going after what Jesus was preaching that I experienced the fullness of the Father and the Father's hearts to raise sons and daughters and set the captives free. So you guys should never walk in emptiness. I heard it said a couple of months ago, and it's my favorite thing, and you'll see me worshiping, holding my chest. I'm not having a heart attack, I promise. But Chuck Perry from Bethel was, was in western New York, and he would just hold his heart and say, oh, but you're here. See, no matter what circumstance you're walking in, the fullness of the Father, the Son, and Spirit resides within you when you're a new creation in Christ. And the fullness of eternity, the power and authority that's in Christ rests right within you. So when you're facing waters like Peter or uncertain circumstances or horrific grief and loss and mourning, you can rest and say, but you're here. Because when he's there, everything is possible. Nothing becomes impossible. 
And see, each of us receives something upon salvation. We receive just deposits of his living water, the Holy Spirit. There's something that's coming in and being filled up. And each of us in life, we're, we're born like with a pot in our hands, and we're walking around with this pot. But as we're going through life, people are drilling holes in this pot. And our deposits and our love, things come out of it. And then next thing you know, we're walking around with a colander. And we're asking people to please fill it up. And we come to church, and we get a little water in there, and we get excited. But before we get home, it's all splashed out. And so we go back to church again and again and again, encounter after encounter, worship set after worship set. Man, Caitlin was bringing it. My, my cup got full. And maybe your colander gets filled in with the Holy Spirit, but that next layer of holes is there, and it pours out before you get back home. And you're like, dang it, maybe next week it's going to be there. Then the next week, you just have this encounter and a little more, a little greater capacity. You get all the way home, and you're so excited, and you share with your cousins and your aunts and your friends, and they're like, don't need that religious person. And then it fills out, and you're just like, dang it. And you keep doing that over and over and over, looking for more. But all the while, with those holes pouring out, it's just leading to erosion in your life, in your spiritual life. Because a water leak in something leads to erosion. When you experience the love of the Father, he takes that colander like a potter, and he starts filling it and walking through it with his love. And his love fills those holes all the way to the top. The more you give him access to your heart, the more you walk through forgiveness and obedience and love and repentance, the more the Spirit just continues to fill and fill and fill those. Then when the water starts to pour into the Spirit, it doesn't just leak out. See, God created us to live from a place of overflow in his abundance. In John 7, 38, from our hearts are going to pour fountains of living water. So there's a constant outpouring from the Lord that's going to pour out. And he wants to prepare our hearts as sons and daughters to receive the fullness. But if we keep walking around with colanders like little orphans, then we're missing the fullness of what God has for us as sons and daughters. And I really feel like today the Lord's saying, I want to fill the holes in the heart. And I want to restore you as sons and daughters today. See, just like in Luke chapter 15, when this prodigal, when my story, when this prodigal came to himself, realizing his father has more than enough, and why am I feeding these pigs? Because I'd rather eat their food and have something to eat. Realizing that his father had more, he made an excuse so that he can go home. But here's the beauty. Our father says we don't need excuses. In fact, we see in the story, the father didn't even listen to the son's excuses when he got there because when he saw him afar off, the father girded himself and ran to meet him. See, in the Jewish culture, a father, a mature man, would never run. That's shameful. The father took shame upon himself and ran out. Then what happened? The servants, the community around him, put a robe upon him, a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, and restored him. That's a picture of the church restoring prodigals. That's a picture of the Father restoring sons and daughters. That's a picture of who God's called us to be as kingdom ambassadors and leaders. It's more than three songs for 30 minutes, 20 minutes of preaching and out the door. There's so much more. I'm not going to hold you hostage today. I just want you guys to be awakened to things in the kingdom. I had the opportunity to spend time with Pastor Rob, with some Amish folk. That's amazing. You guys are so blessed here. Like, we have them, but they won't meet with us. They just, they, there's like a clear line. They don't even drive tractors in New York. It's just, it's so weird coming here. It's like Disney. It's awesome here. 
<laughs> so I got to have coffee with two different guys on two different days. And one of them is as Amish as you get, the full hat, the beard, the accent, the cute little things they do. And, and I'm sitting there with him and, and just listening to his story. I was so curious about his way of life. And he was so curious about mine. And I got to share my story of my tattoos because that was really foreign for him. And I said, these are my stained glass stories of my temple, just like the Catholic Church. These are my stained glass stories on my temple that I get to share different testimony pieces with people. And he was just like, yeah, we would never do that. And good for him. (laughs) But I got to listen to his heart. And what I kept hearing is a son who just needs to be embraced by a father. And then he started sharing his story of upbringing and how they just don't touch each other, but they have such respect for one another. And it wasn't until I heard him start talking about his daughters that I saw the heart of a father. See, when he started talking about his daughters, his daughters meant the whole world to him. He couldn't wait to be done working so he can take them fishing and playing in the pond, and they can play together. And then I heard the heart of a father. Then I heard the father say to me, I want you to stand up and hug my son. And I'm like, hey, man, stand up for a minute. And he's like, okay. <laughs> and I said, is it okay if I hug you? And he's like, sure. <laughs> and he stood there like this. And I reached around and I hugged him. And then he went like this. <laughs> and then the father said, I want you to speak these words over my son. I love you. I am so proud of you, son. You bring me so much joy. I'm so proud of the things you're doing. You're a good daddy. Mm -hmm. And I held him. And I pulled him in. I put my hand on his head, and I pulled his head into my bosom. And then his stiff arms reached around me and hugged back. See, that's a testimony of a son, a prodigal, receiving the father's love. I only did what I saw the father do, and I only spoke over and what I heard the father speaking. And that's what the father wants for you guys today. It's not about the structures. It's not about the amazing worship. It's not about the 37 and a half minutes of preaching. It's about the encounter, living from encounter to encounter. We owe the world an encounter. We have been given everything through Christ, yet we hold it in and want people to come to us for the answers instead of just giving it back out. I just want to encourage you guys today to just send and receive this message of the Father's love. See, the hardest prayer that I had to pray was releasing my son's spirit, but the best prayer that I've ever prayed other than salvation is, Father, show me who you are. Because after I got Lincoln statue and Morgan Freeman, which was a really cool one, by the way, then I saw myself walking like a child, holding the hand of a father that I've never held a hand with, and all I saw was just glory radiating down the left side of my face. And I felt warmth and embrace, and then I saw a merry-go-round, and I saw the glory go around and merry-go-round, and the, the father said, I see you as my son, and I'm redeeming the time. We're going to have fun like like a child. I never had that. 
the next prayer that I prayed after that tear-filled encounter was, Father, who do you say that I am? See, I spent 29 years being an electrician. I've been an amazing husband, right? (laughs) Father, pastor, friend, guy who bails people out of jail. (laughs) I've been all of that to people. and The irony is the Lord didn't say I'm any of those things. He never said I had to be Christie's husband. He never said I had to be the father of my children. All he said is, I call you son. And that title and that honor meant more than any other title I've ever received because knowing that I'm his son means that I'm royalty and we have access to everything that he has. And if I'm a son, then that means my wife is a daughter. And in the kingdom of heaven, when we walk as sons and daughters, we walk as kings and priests. We don't walk around as orphans. See, Jesus said he's not going to leave us orphans. He's not going to forsake us. He's going to continue through the redeeming process in the blood of Christ. We've got to walk with the authority and the fullness of who he says we are. And he gives us gifts and treats and fun stuff. <laughs> and so we just want to encourage you guys in that today. To walk in the authority that the Lord's given you and the freedom. And the freedom in this house. It shouldn't be forced for worship to beg people to come forward there should be a freedom to race forward. Not because this is more holy than that, but because what it takes to get from back here to up there is faith. Because now everybody's looking at me. What am I doing back here? Everybody's staring at me. This is awkward. But this is what it takes sometimes to jumpstart people's faith so the Holy Spirit can activate what he wants in you to give you the greater capacity that he already has for you so you can stand in it and live in it and receive the water that he's pouring out. I warned your pastor sometimes I walk around. so. But sometimes this is that faith step. You guys have seen Indiana Jones? There's the step of faith in there. He's standing at the edge, and there's nothing there, and he's like this, and he doesn't know what to do. And he closes his eyes after a long pause of symphony music. And then he takes that step, and it appears. And he does that cheesy boy grin. And then he runs, and then people with guns chase him. And sometimes <laughs> sometimes we have to be willing to take that step to go where God's calling us. Peter, the only man that I know of that walked on water, fully human, walked on water as he was looking directly at the face of Christ, see, with man it's impossible, with God all things are possible. He never wavered. When he wavered, what happened? (gasps) He panicked because fear became greater than freedom. And in this house, there should be no fear. Perfect love, the love that the Father has, casts out fear. You guys need to be freedom fighters in this house. The word my wife kept getting is burning ones, like fire starters. You guys are walking around just throwing multi-Holy Spirit cocktails around. Because this is an area that's hungry, hungry for the love of the Father. I believe you guys have been overchurched. I believe you guys have been overpreached. You guys probably know the word better than I do. You guys have probably studied it, read it, lived it, preached it, taught it, did seminars on it. But if you don't understand it, if it's not affecting your heart and changing who you are, it's just information. Jesus didn't come to give us information. He came to give us the fullness of the Father to receive the Father's love. 
So all of this now goes from here and sinks in right here. We can't love one another as the Father loves us and as Jesus loves us if we can't figure out how to love the Father because we're so hung up in our heads that we don't know what that looks like. You guys doing okay? Yeah? Okay. It won't be much longer, I promise. I don't promise. <laughs> Is there anybody new here today? Any newcomers in here? I don't want to just isolate you, but I'm going to isolate you for a second if you are. Anybody newer in the faith? Anybody accepted Jesus in the last six months or so? A year? Two years? Three years? Four years? Five years? When we keep going? Six years? Seven years? You guys are all like 10-year Christians in here? So I say that because I know you all heard the gospel message then. You guys know you're saved by grace through faith in Christ. Jesus' blood that was shed is, is the New Testament version of the Passover blood from the door of the Lamb that was spread so the spirit of death would pass over in Egypt and just redeem folks. But the fullness of the plan is redemption into what? The, what's the promised land? The Lord promised them the promised land, and they, they couldn't seem to get there, could they, Rob? They just kind of fumbled and bumbled around to that promised land that the Lord promised them. And they couldn't follow the Lord, but the redemption plan for that was through Christ. So what does it look like to follow Christ today? What does it look like to, to be led in the encounter of the Father? It looks like humbling yourself. You know what it took for me? It took me hearing Heidi Baker say, you need to get low before the Lord. And I didn't know what that meant until I saw Heidi Baker speak for the first time in my life. And she was taken out of the green room by four people and literally dropped on the floor and a microphone was set right in her hair. And I thought, that's embarrassing. And I watched for 15 minutes on a live stream, and she was just wailing and weeping, and hair and makeup was all over the stage. And then I watched this little hand come out of there and grab that microphone. And all she said is, the love of the Lord is here. <laughs> then I watched her slowly, like me, dragging myself up the aisle, start to get to a place to where she can stand up. I saw her stand up. And she led people in an encounter in the Lord simply by saying, he's here, do you want to receive him? Mm -hmm. See? And 20,000 people were in that audience received them. How did they receive them? They positioned their hearts to receive them. See, there was a greater capacity that was available, and its greater capacity is always available through this one simple prayer. Father, show me who you are. And Father, who do you say that I am? Those are the two prayers that changed my life and started a conversation that releases an open heavens everywhere I go and everywhere he leads us.
You see, in the beginning, God created man and woman, and he made them in his image. So each person here reflects the image of God, and it looks different from every angle. So if you get nothing out of today other than spend time with your Father, each of you are a mature Christian, but do you know how you reflect the Father's image? Do you know him so intimately that you know what you're called to release on this world? I spent years trying to figure out my identity and who I was. I labored hard. Like I said, I did all the right things. But I didn't understand the fullness of the Father and the image, that Christ, the Christiness of the Father that needed to be released on this world. I wouldn't come up and share because I don't share like Chris. I didn't go to the same Bible school he did. But the Christiness that, that, that I portray on this world is so beautiful and I've learned to love it and embrace it. And in that I've learned to love and embrace myself in a new and deeper way. Ministry doesn't have to look like it's coming from the platform. God gives us each a personal platform to stand on, and that can be in your workplace, can be in the grocery store, it can be anywhere. It doesn't have to look like Robin Jen Coburn. It needs to look like you and your encounter with the Father, and then release it into your community because then the community begins to be transformed, and then heaven invades earth. So, Father, we just thank you. We thank you that we no longer have to labor. We no longer have to perform tasks. We break off the yoke of bondage and slavery in our lives. And we just choose you. We choose to surrender all our ideals every area of our life where we feel that we need to control, Lord, we release it to you. We enter into the fullness of your love and we just ask that you would just show us who we are and who you are in us. That we would learn to love ourselves at a deeper capacity that we would just allow your love to fill those holes in our lives and where there needs to be healing bring the healing where there needs to be surrender bring the joy to strengthen us to surrender fully oh, Papa, we just thank you for your love we thank you for your presence that is in this place I thank you for each son and daughter that is here and for the glory that they release in their area wherever they are. That they would just let go of expectations of how it's supposed to look 
or what guidelines they're supposed to operate in and that they would just fully surrender to the fullness of you and know that it is okay and it is perfect and it is beautiful. Thank you for your love, Papa. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. I just want to take a couple minutes and just let you guys soak in this. There's something about this moment that I don't want you to miss, the encounter with the Father. We can share information, but it's the encounter that we're looking for. So if you've never prayed, Father, show me who you are. I want to give you that time. He could give you a picture. He could give you a word. Push past the distractions and just listen and just soak. See, I feel like you guys have walked through a series on living unoffended, but there needs to be forgiveness in this house tonight. And sometimes it's forgiveness of self and sometimes it's forgiveness for somebody else and sometimes it's forgiveness from the Lord and when he's asking for all of your heart it's even the areas of unforgiveness unforgiveness can lead to bitterness it can lead to resentment it can also lead to fear and the Lord's saying tonight I want the fullness of the capacity there is no more colanders in this house I want sons and daughters to be full Unforgiveness is handcuffing yourself to something and giving the keys away. And the Lord says, I have all the keys and I'm setting you free today. Will you receive that? So Father, forgive us for our unforgivenesses. Forgive us of the trespasses on our hearts against us. We repent, Father God, of wrong thinking and ask, Lord, that you would restore right thinking tonight this morning in this house, in Jesus' name. Father, won't you touch the areas that are tender with unforgiveness and wounds and bring comfort the way only you can bring comfort, to nurture the way only you can nurture. We surrender our hearts to you, Father, in Jesus' name. was imparted here this morning. Our prayer is that that the seed of the truth of the Father's love will go deep in you. It will change you. It will rearrange you. It will ignite you into a passion to share that love with someone else. But just as in forgiveness, we can only forgive as far as we've been forgiven. As, far, as much as we've received, we can hand out the same with the love of the Father. You can talk about it, but when you experience it, you can share that capacity with others. And our prayer throughout the last few days and our hearts have been just interceding for this house. That we've gone through the, the forgiveness from offense. But can we surrender to the love of the Father? 
So I just want to speak over you as your pastor that these words were not just words. This time was not just an encounter with the Holy Spirit, but it was something that unlocks your destiny. Knowing the Father's love unlocks your destiny, and He's calling us to greatness, and the only way that we can access greatness is to receive love in the hurt places. And so I just speak that over this house today, that you would receive love like you've never received it before. Would you stand with me? Father, this morning we speak life into this house, into every heart in this place, Lord, maybe you're pruning some this morning. Lord, maybe you're encouraging those who need encouraged. But Lord, I know in this moment you are loving each of us in the way that we need to be loved. So Lord, this morning we just raise our hands. We surrender to what you want to do. We stand here to allow you to hug us and pull us in close. so that then we can be released to embrace your love for this region, for our homes, for our families. And Lord, that it's real, it's not just reading, it's not just something that someone taught, but Lord, that it's an encounter, it's something real. So we surrender to you today. Lord, I pray that every person under the sound of my voice that you would arrest them. Maybe it's in their quiet time with you. Maybe it's when they lay down tonight to sleep or when they get up in the morning and they look outside. Lord, I ask that your love would begin to surround this house and every person attached here so that we can be that love to this world, to this generation, the people that we're looking at around the room, Lord, that we could be that love. So Lord, help us today to surrender to you. We release our hearts today to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We have a lot of stuff going on, but I just feel the anointing. If you feel, if the Lord is speaking to you, I really don't care about your feelings right now, but if the Lord is speaking to you, there's an envelope in the seat back in front of you. Just bless the socks off this couple. Drop it in the offering plate. Put your normal offering in the envelope back there, but we're right on it, special offering, right on it, whatever. But bless this couple. You know, when people bring books and things and they they have it out in the lobby, what do I always say? The, the summit way is to buy them all up. Well, they don't have books. Yet. Yet. We're working on that. But, but they are going places. They're going to Alaska. They're going other places to share the message of the kingdom of God. And I just ask... Would you sow into what they're doing? And everything that comes in for that, we will give them and they'll be blessed. And and they didn't come for that. They don't ask for that. I'm just saying, let's just bless them and take care of them. Yeah, so a few things. Um, This week, we have our women's widows group, the second one happening. I'm so excited to see um, that's such a special group that that has so much inside of them and to watch Wanda take a step into that and into what the Lord has called her to do in that in that group and speak into so amazing so if you fit that category um, that's at noon on Wednesday in the Family Life Center so please come join and join with other people who are walking a similar road um, in that and then one other thing 
is if Robbie took your photo out there last week in front of the wall, he'd printed them for you and your name is on an envelope and so it's out there. Yeah, thanks to Robbie. Um, he totally killed it. I was like expecting the stack of photos and you walked in with a stack of envelopes with names written on all of them. So just go ahead and find your name um, on your envelope out there and take that because there's some really cool photos. And I think that's it. So um, Lord, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for your heart and your passion. I thank you for the opportunity to hear from voices who share love like I've never seen before. And so I just thank you for giving us the opportunity to receive today. Would you continue to take us deeper in encounter with you? Would you keep us safe? Bring us back safely next week. We just thank you for everything in Jesus' name. Have a blessed week. If you enjoyed today's message, I would like to encourage you to like it and share it on all social media platforms or jump on the website, thesummitdover.com or the app and click the giving link and help us continue to share the message of the kingdom across the world. God bless you and have an awesome week.